This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, every Monday live on Money FM 89.3 at 5:15 p.m. Where I host the sports podcasters from the Straits Times. I'm Howie Lim. Today I'm joined by Straits Times sports correspondents Zali Abdul Aziz and David Lee. Hi guys. Hi Howie. Howie. Let's jump right into the okay. We'll call it incredible Sunday night of football in the EPL. Manchester United with six <laughs> one by Spurs at home at Old Trafford. Liverpool demolished seven. Two. Let's say it again. Seven two by Aston Villa, guys. What happened? What do you make of this? I don't know if it really has sunk in yet, or or I'm still dreaming. Uh, I haven't really woken up yet. It's, it, it's absolutely. It, it has definitely sunk in. It, it, it's so 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 surreal. I watched the Man United game, uh, and and that could be in some ways explained with the, with the first half red card. I went to bed thinking I wake up in the morning to see Liverpool beat Aston Villa, who nearly got relegated last season. Of course, you know I expected Villa to put up a fight because they started the season pretty strongly, but never in a million years did I expect that the kind of two that we got. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Did hey, you a fan? Yeah, yeah. As I was interrupting Sars, it, it definitely has sunk in, you know, as a United fan. I think it's ridiculous. You know, top teams can be forgiven for having a off day or two, but top teams don't capitulate like this. So it's sad to see United are no longer a top team. You know, as a neutral, of course, it's great to see such upsets, lots of goals, even though the defending was pretty amateurish to be honest it's just not these scores you know um, west ham also beat leicester 3-0 leeds helped man city to a 1-1 draw the league is just 4 weeks old and only everton and aston villa are unbeaten so i think we are set for a competitive season i can bet my last dollar united won't win the league so i'm hoping for more surprises mm-hmm. and i expect a winner Famous yeah. last words, yeah, Dave. So yeah, he's, he's trying what? some reverse psychology, you know. He's saying that we won't win, we won't win. And then later, you know, he, he wants to any, be proven any, wrong. Any one of you wants to take my bet? What do you think <laughs> happened though, guys? Was it a one-off for both Man U and Liverpool? I mean, you talked about, Dave, how not these kinds of scores for top teams like this. You can have an off day, but what do you think happened? I think it's it's very different for Man United and Liverpool. I think for Liverpool, it really was a one-off. I think the only serious concern Jurgen Klopp may have is whether he wants to bring in another goalkeeper with you know his number one, Alisson. I think rumored to be out for about up to to six weeks, meaning he might miss seven games or even more. It's it's a one-off. You know, three of Aston Villa's goals took heavy deflections. You know, one was a goalkeeper mistake. Their opponents were exceptionally sharp in front of goal, and and I don't think the champions became a bad team overnight. But for Manchester United, like like David said, top teams don't you know capitulate the way they did, even with a first half red card. Even though the result can be explained, I think they are still in deep trouble. They haven't looked convincing at all since the season started, and this was like a you know the biggest exclamation point to that. You know, Harry Maguire, their skipper, has been emblematic of a lack of quality in defense, comedic defense. At times, Paul Pogba, in my eyes, you know, has been terrible. Has been awful in midfield. You know, he's been losing possession, not really doing much going forward, getting into the team based on reputation rather than performance. And and their attack hasn't looked dynamic at all. So their team feels stale. You know, their transfer activity has been awful again. Unless they turn that around over the next two or three transfer windows, they'll be in, in serious trouble. All, all you need to ask is, what do you think will happen in the next match? Can they turn it around? And and what do most people tell you? Yeah, I, I think we'll see a response from Liverpool. And as for United, what do you think the response will be? It's quite upsetting for United fans. If we want to console ourselves, we, we can say we, are, we were playing with 10 men and we lost to a, a top 5 team in Spurs. And Liverpool have lost to a team 
that narrowly avoided relegation last term. We can also look at last season where we collected just 10 points in our first nine games and then still finished third. But let's not kid ourselves, you know, United, the way they've started the season, we have deservedly lost to Crystal Palace. We required devil's luck to, to beat Brighton. And this weekend, we're, we're facing Newcastle and we are not even sure if we can beat Newcastle. So that's all we need to say. Oh dear. So now Man U at 16th on the table. What would they need to climb up? Uh, maybe they need to take over the VAR. Oh, hope springs <laughs> just, eternal, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But seriously, something is fundamentally wrong at the club. You know, apart from Mason Greenwood, United are not bringing through top-class young players. Let's be honest, Brandon Williams, Scott McTominay, they're not going to be starters in any other top team. After Sir Alex Ferguson left, how can our signings be so consistently underwhelming? I'm not convinced with Chelsea splurging because they still haven't fixed their defence. But you look at their overall squad and that of Liverpool, City, Arsenal, Spurs... Even Everton and Wolves. And you think these teams are stronger than United even on paper. And if every pundit, every United fan are saying they need a central defender, why are we signing central midfielders and attackers? What are the scouts and recruitment team doing? You know, United are now stuck. They are stuck with fantastically overpriced players they cannot bench and they cannot offload. And they are stuck with people who made this happen. United, I'm sure, they will climb up the table because they are 16th now. Because they are worse teams than them. But they could also finish mid-table and then the manager is made the scapegoat at the end of season like David Moyes, Luis Van Gaal and Jose Mourinho before him. As with most problem entities, the top management almost always never accepts responsibility. That is what really is necessary to progress from this rut they are in before we can talk about signing the players we need. He talked about centre midfielders. You know, last night's game, out of the seven substitutes, four could be classified as centre midfielders, which is it's so sad almost how imbalanced their squad is. They've done better at getting rid of players than bringing in the right ones. But they are finally getting Alex Terrace over the line, the, the left-back, and Edinson Cavani, the striker on the free. But I wonder if these signings will just paper over the real issue, as, as Dave has mentioned. I think Cavani seems to be a typical recent Manchester United signing on huge money, big reputation, you know, but you don't know if it'll pay off or not. It's like how they signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic a couple of seasons back or, or even Falcao, you know, a striker in the latter stages of his career who has never played in England. Falcao and, and Zlatan didn't really help United get to the next level. So, you know, while, while I am a fan of Cavani, you know, at 33, I don't think he can make the impact that United need him to. Maybe Cavani can be a better defender than, than what we already have. But yeah, anyway. Maybe actually he's good in the air. So... <laughs> Let's talk about Liverpool then, long-awaited champions. What, is this the start of another 30-year wait, you think? They can't retain their title this season? No, no, no. I, I think that's overreacting by a huge degree. I think the only thing that, that has been proven is that I guess their sheen of invincibility is gone. But that's it. I think they'll still be up there as the front-runner to the title. We sort of expected this. We predicted this a few weeks ago on this podcast. I did say it'll be a much tighter race given the physical exertions required in the Liverpool style of play, the Gengen pressing so-called. And given the extraordinary circumstances around this season with you know a shorter pre-season, shorter break, we might see more games uh, in a shorter span of time. So the players will suffer and, and they'll have a few more of this before the season is up. So you know it will be a competitive season, that's for sure. Yeah, I think with the results the way they are, Liverpool can afford to take a hit or two. It's too early still to say they won't retain the title. But it just shows how top teams need to be on their toes and, and, and keep rejuvenating their squad. And Everton, surprise leaders at this point, are they the real deal you reckon, Saz? 
uh, in one word, no. Uh, oh. <laughs> I don't think so yet. The main reason being a, a, a lack of strength and depth in their squad. I think, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is doing fantastic up front. But, you know, he's still young. When the goals dry up and when they get a few injuries or suspensions, particularly in midfield, I, I think they will have issues. Of course, they can go on to have a, a perfect season, avoid injuries to key players and pull off a, a Leicester from, from 2015-2016. But in all likelihood, I don't see that happening. Uh, unlike SARS, I think there's a real possibility. They have made some really good signings with manager Carlo Ancelotti, top of that list. And with his influence and man management, I don't see why not really. Calvert Lewin has come of age at exactly the right time. And they still have Richarlison, Rodriguez, and Moise Keane. And youngsters like Tom Davis and Anthony Gordon coming through the ranks. If they can pull six points clear by 10 games and 10 points clear at the halfway mark, with the possibility of Ancelotti making some quality additions in January using his reputation alone, I, I think you, you have to take them seriously. Now, if you like the Straits Times Game of Two Halves podcast, you can listen live on Money FM 89.3, 5.15pm every Monday, or you can subscribe to hashtag Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. So on to the second half of the show, Dave, you helmed the package that appeared in Monday's edition of the Straits Times about weekend warriors flouting the rule of five in public sports facilities. How did the story come about, Dave? Two weeks ago, Shimin Daily News uh, first reported about basketball courts being closed in Yishun due to repeated safe distancing violations. And we just took it further to see if this is the case across the island. Unfortunately, we, we found out that many basketball courts and street soccer courts are packed on weekends. Uh, this would not have been out of place. And in fact, it would have been great if it were a normal weekend. Mm. But as we all know, we are in an unusual coronavirus era now where over 1 million people have been killed worldwide because of the virus. And there are strict rules in place in many countries, including Singapore, to curb the spread of COVID-19. So it is a concern that there are many who are flouting the safe distancing measures that we have in place in Singapore. Therefore, we are raising awareness with our story. What's your take on it, though? I think people have to understand that what one person does can have a bigger impact overall. It is easy to let our guards down because the number of cases are not high at the moment in Singapore. And the signs are that things are gradually opening up but we have to be conscious of the possibility that we are one outbreak away from going back to phase one or having another circuit breaker, which mm. I'm sure nobody wants. There may be 3,000 enforcement officers and, and safe distancing ambassadors who patrol Singapore every day to make sure things are in order. But it, it is impossible to, to be omnipresent. So it really is with everybody's cooperation that Singapore can return to normal as soon as possible. Mm. What do you think, Saz? I mean... I don't think it's a case of deliberately trying to be selfish or being indifferent to the rules and guidelines. I think people have just developed an, an itch, you know, over the last half a year of, of not being out and about and they think they are satisfying that itch while not putting anyone else in danger, particularly when they see that community cases have gone way down in recent weeks and in their mind, they go when they are not feeling unwell, they, they are within a group of, you know, usually fewer than 10 they just want to play a, a bit of recreational sport for an hour or two and then be done with it. But of course, there is also the flip side where there are those who hang around on the sidelines of their game, you know, that mingling with uh, a larger group of people and they don't practice safe distancing. I think that sort of behaviour should absolutely be reprimanded. So, mm. yeah, as Dave said, you know, everybody has a part to play. It's tough times and we hope sport can come back to Singapore or return fully sooner rather than later. And there are signs of a revival though with one championship set to host a live event here for the first time in seven months. And the Singapore Premier League close to a return as well. Sazali, have there been developments on these two fronts? 
Uh, yes, uh, there there's, there have been a positive strike. Sunday morning, I was at the former Siglap Secondary School ground uh, in Pasiris to to observe Singapore Premier League players getting swap tested uh, before a possible return. Uh, I think it's the the biggest and, and most clearest move yet towards a possible restart of the league. But now the key issue is to hope that the results come back, you know, one hundred percent negative. And, and I think only then will we see uh, the authorities give the green light to the Football Association of Singapore to start administering the league again. A couple of weeks ago, we wrote that they were targeting a possible October 10 kickoff, but I think that seems now unlikely and, and, and there could be a delay of a few days or up to a week, even if the tests come back fine, because you know the teams need a, a longer run-up before their first game back. As for one championship, the, the mixed martial art organisation, their CEO, Chatri Sidiotong, finally on Sunday night formally announced you know, their return to staging live shows here. They are you know obviously taking no chances. They're putting all their MMA fighters and, and their cornermen and pretty much officials, everyone involved in the show, on quarantine at a hotel from Monday for the whole week. You know, I've been told they're they are doing everything necessary, testing all the safety measures and putting things in place to make sure the event will be as smooth as possible. And, and I'm looking forward to a, a great show on Friday night. Well, there goes the final whistle for our sports discussion this week. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Follow Straits Times Game of Two Halves podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. So Zali Abdulaziz and Dave Lee joining us today. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Ali. you, Howie. Good to be here. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.